Hello and welcome back to Deviant Little Darlings. I'm Katie. And I'm Olivia. And if you love hearing stories about all things taboo, scandalous, and out of this world, you are in the right place. Okay, so before we get into it, I just want to apologize to our loyal listeners, particularly the ones that DM us on Instagram every time um, we skip a week. I'm looking at you, Alex, especially. Um, But I do want to say this last week was so on me. Um, I had a bunch of midterms and projects that just really got me down. So I appreciate Olivia for being flexible. Thank you for being patient. Um, And thank you all for being patient. I'm ready this week. I'm feeling good. Yeah, I also was like not available or like able to do it. And I think we guys kind of figured like, okay, Halloween was super awesome. We have to let that episode (laughs) sit for like two weeks before we put something else out because nothing could compare to like Halloween. You know, how do we follow up with that? So you don't No, we didn't. (laughs) We simply did not. So uh, yeah, thank you guys for bearing with us. But it's good to talk. Uh, I know you guys don't get to actually talk with us, but it's fun for me to get to talk to Olivia. So I know. Yeah, because if I'm we don't happy. do an episode, that means we go a week without having this like hour long phone call. No, it's terrible. <sighs> so sad. Um, second disclaimer. I know my audio quality has been atrocious the past like three weeks. <laughs> we don't know how it's going to sound this week. So if it's very bad again, I continue to be sorry. I am still looking for a laptop to <laughs> record on because... It's okay. You know? We persist. The show must go on. <laughs> it must. Yeah. The fans, aka Alex, has demanded that the show goes on. <laughs> exactly. Every week. <laughs> Every week. All right. Oh, so, gosh. Katie, I think you are going first this week. Yes. If my memory um, is correct. I believe it is. Um, I'm really excited because... I don't know how many times I can say this before you get sick of it, but I'm from San Diego in case you don't know. Um, And I've been spending a lot of time down by the beach. Uh, You know, you can always go to the beach here. doesn't matter what time of year it is. Um, And I actually took some of our good friends, Sarah and Alex, a different Alex, um, down to the bay the other day. So water has just been on my mind lately. And Mm. I wanted to find like kind of something that fit our theme related to the ocean but a lot of it was kind of depressing like a lot of it was depressing (laughs) and I felt like we didn't need that energy so I think I found something to me that just kind of like absolutely insane like the depths of the internet pun absolutely intended like very much delivered so I'll just get into it it's about the ocean um so most of the stuff just a disclaimer right real quick um I got from huff post which by the way when did huffington post become huff post like is that their like main brand now yeah they rebranded i guess weird yeah but i digress um i also got stuff from nat geo rooters is that how you say that i've never said it out loud before i've never heard of it okay so (laughs) that's how i'm gonna say it rooters and new york daily news so let's take it back to may 26th 2013 not quite as far back as we usually go but this one is extremely interesting you guys so a tugboat was stabilizing a chevron oil tanker off the coast of nigeria and on may 26 2013 it capsized like there was just a crazy ocean swell that snapped the tow rope and at 4 30 a.m the tugboat turns over and starts to sink 
bad news <laughs> okay yeah not not a yeah, good start <laughs> not the best uh i know this doesn't sound not depressing okay we'll see um so there were 12 crew members on board and many of them were asleep in their cabins and all of the cabins were locked as a safety precaution against pirates who frequently abducted or robbed vessels in the area but because they were locked in none of these crew members survived the ship sinking only one crew member the cook harrison O'Keen, was not in his cabin but in the bathroom and when the boat got hit, he reports just being thrown around the tiny bathroom in complete darkness. So at this point, he and a few other crew members uh, kind of scramble into the hallway. And so there's three people in front of him and they're like trying to link to like reach the exit hatch. But all of a sudden, water rushes in and sweeps the three people in front of him away. And he's quoted saying, I saw the first one, the second one, the third one just wash away. I knew these guys were dead. So the boat is sinking <laughs> and it's traumatic. It's like Titanic, except there's no one playing beautiful music as the boat yeah. is sinking. <laughs> Much less fancy. Yeah. They're probably not wearing ball gowns. No, no, they're not. This guy is literally in his boxers. It's four in the morning. Oh my gosh. Things are a disaster. So he turns away from the only exit and he's ultimately pushed into a different bathroom that adjoined the engineer's office. And miraculously, there's a pocket of air for him to seek shelter in. So he holds onto this, like the sink, I guess, like turned over and he's holding onto it because it's floating. It's like the only way he can keep his head above the water. And when he finally builds up the courage to open the door to the office, uh, he ended up pulling the paneling off the walls to make a raft to lift himself fully out of the freezing water. Um, it, everyone knows that you're supposed to use a door. <laughs> Hello. Dang it. I know. <laughs> Dang it. And a door can fit two people. And it okay. can. Yes. <laughs> Especially that one. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, the boat comes to its final resting spot on the ocean floor, 100 feet deep. And he's still breathing, okay? So just to set the scene, he is only in his boxers. I think I mentioned that. Like, there's no deep sea diving gear. It's just him, and it's cold and wet. And he has no food or water, but he did find a bottle of Coca-Cola that sustained him, ultimately. And he did find a life jacket that had two flashlights attached to it, but those flashlights died after just a day. Not to mention, oxygen runs out. Like, it's not unlimited. Mm -hmm. So this is like worst case scenario. I mean, undoubtedly luckier than his crewmates. Um, and I say this every episode, but like, I think this one really is my nightmare. Like, mixed together claustrophobia and like fear of the unknowns in the ocean. Like, yeah. And you're completely Horrifying. isolated. Like there's no one else around right. you. And how is anyone ever going to find you? Like the horrible thoughts that must have gone through his head, like haunt me and I wasn't even there, you know? Mm -hmm. So he's the only survivor. And I have a quote from an interview here that is just terrible. Um, he said, I was very, very cold and it was black. I couldn't see anything but I could perceive the dead bodies of my crewmates were nearby. I could smell them. The fish came in and began eating the bodies. I could hear the sound. It was horror. Oh my gosh. That yeah. is like next level. I know. Ugh. Like first f you already have survivor's guilt and then you have to hear them being eaten by fish. I didn't know fish made noise to be honest. I 
didn't actually okay i've been to like the aquarium before and like have you ever put your hand in one of those tanks where the little fish like nibble on you mm-hmm. well like those those make little sounds it's like <laughs> just oh, like that. i never <laughs> ew i never noticed yeah it's weird it's weird i don't like it i don't like it at all so um yeah also i don't know why i said this wasn't depressing because it is pretty depressing but yeah i think you really like i made my expectations it. way too high <laughs> now I'm i sad. oversold it i know okay but on may 28th so two days later harrison heard the sound of divers hammering on the side of the ship to get in and so Chevron, the oil people, and the ship's owners had sent out a team of divers to recover the dead bodies because that's all they had assumed that they would find. Um, but knowing this was his chance, uh, he grabbed the first thing he could find, which I guess was a water filter, and like banged it against the inside of the boat, um, hoping someone could hear him. And a short while later, he saw lights and bubbles rising at the other end of the cabin, and he knew a diver had come to find him. But they just checked the room too quickly. And before he could grab them, they had left. Oh, no. He tried to swim after them, but it was just, it was too dark. He wouldn't, like, he wasn't going to sacrifice his safety. But the diver eventually returned and Harrison swam to meet him. And I'm going to pop another quote in here because I couldn't say it better myself. Um, He said, so I tapped him at the back of his neck. So he was afraid. When the diver saw his hand, he said, corpse, corpse, corpse into his microphone reporting up to the rescue vessel when he brought his hand close to me i pulled on his hand he's alive he's alive he's alive um which is all he remembers him hearing and it's yeah so it's funny there's a video like the divers were wearing cameras of this rescue so you it literally you just see like a hand reaching out to the diver it doesn't look like it's attached to anybody and then all of a sudden it moves and you see the diver just like freak out i will i'll probably put the video on our instagram because it's just very interesting and you see like the little space he's in but yeah i would be terrified if i was looking for dead bodies and then one mm-hmm. of them started moving it's like a zombie movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah no thank you um so the divers ultimately got to him and used hot water to warm him up and then gave him an oxygen mask a diver suit and a helmet to just you know get him the hell out of there and after 60 hours trapped at the bottom of the ocean Harrison spent another 60 hours in a decompression chamber before he could safely return to land. And so he did. And unfortunately, I mentioned this, he experiences a lot of survivor's guilt and PTSD. He didn't attend any of the funerals for his crewmates because he was worried that their families would hate him. Um, And I know. And when he sleeps, it's actually heartbreaking because he's grieving for them as well. But he can't do it the way he needs to because he was worried that they would be mad at him for surviving um and when he sleeps he sometimes feels like the bed is sinking and he wakes up in just like absolute terror um but he said in those horrible 60 hours he called on god to save him promising that if he rescued him he would never go back to sea again and he hasn't um i read somewhere that he's now like a cook somewhere firmly on land but for some reason i can't find that quote again so maybe i'm making it up but i don't think i am (laughs) but maybe i am we're not gonna like fact check that it's not like the most important part of the story i feel like simply not but (laughs) you know anyway so the story itself is pretty brief very harrowing but brief 
Um, but I do want to talk about the science behind how this is even possible. So by his own estimation, the air pocket that he survived in was only around four feet. And I'm like not a, not a science person. So I'm just going to tell you almost exactly what HuffPost says. And I'm going to sprinkle in a little bit of what Nat Geo said as well. Um, so humans inhale roughly 350 cubic feet of air every 24 hours. But because Harrison was under pressure at the ocean floor, there's this one physicist and recreational scuba diver named Mac- Maxim Umomsky who estimates that the air pocket had been compressed by a factor of about four, which means that the pressurized air pocket would be about 216 cubic feet, which would contain enough oxygen to keep him alive for about 60 hours. So like exactly how long he was down Mm -hmm. there. Oh my gosh. Perfect timing. I know. Somehow very convenient. On that note, while the oxygen might have lasted, CO2 was building up every time he exhaled. And apparently there's more CO2 underwater than on land. Um, And the only lucky thing here is that carbon dioxide is apparently also absorbed by water. And because he was like splashing around like trying to get out doing stuff um he inadvertently increased the water surface area which increased the absorption of co2 and kept the levels of the gas below the deadly five percent level oh Mm -hmm. so a lot of very lucky coincidences here or just like sheer luck that got him to this point And there's another guy, his name is Eric Hextel, who's a nurse and clinical director of diving medicine. And he believes that he probably began to experience the first symptoms of carbon dioxide toxicity after about 56 hours. And if he had reached 79 hours, he would have gone unconscious. He also managed to elude hypothermia by fashioning the little raft I mentioned earlier. And he also escaped the threat of high air pressure, which can be deadly at that depth of the sea. Um, So at 80 plus feet, remember they were at 100, air pressure is increased and human blood becomes saturated with nitrogen, which can cause you to become dazed and confused perhaps. Um, (laughs) And this is why they use the decompression chamber to get you back to the surface, because if you come back up immediately, you would simply just die like don't ask me why that is science all right (laughs) um so the moral of the story is that he survived in truly out of this world conditions like worst case scenario uh everything should have worked against him but he made it out and because of all this people from his home actually accused him of practicing black magic oh um um yeah yeah I think maybe not. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think the science uh, speaks for itself. So, yeah. I mean, that's a story for a different time. Maybe we'll talk about some black magic, you know, next week. But today we're all about the science, baby. That's all I can say. Yeah. Did I understand any of it? Not really, but <laughs> it, that's okay. <laughs> it sounded right. So, yeah. Thank I you. Mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this, I just looked at the time and this wasn't an extremely brief story, um, but that's kind of all I have. It was just one of those things that I thought was so interesting and insane that I had to talk about it, but there weren't a lot of details on yeah. it, you know? Well, I'm having like a hard time visualizing what this little air pocket thing was like. So he's underwater. Oh, yeah. So is his body like, I know he built a raft. 
Mm-hmm. So he's like floating on the surface of the water in the air pocket, but then like all yeah. around him is water. So you know, like when you were like seven and you would take baths and you would like turn your cup upside down in the bath and like if you put yeah. it down just the right way, obviously air stays in there. Yeah. Um. So he's basically like in that little area. So the rest of the ship is completely flooded and it didn't sink just the right way so all the air got out but where he is somehow there's a little bit of air that survived and i'm trying you're it's kind of hard i'll i'll send you the video so you can take a look and i'll make sure everyone can see it but Mm -hmm. i think that there were perhaps a few bodies that floated in there were nearby cabins Mm. or something so it's not like I'm imagining it as like all below him. Yeah. Obviously, there's just like a ton of water. And then there's like, he's in like a little tiny corner that somehow preserved itself. Okay. I'll, yeah. It's It makes sense when you, vi- when you look at it, obviously. I will make sure you guys <laughs> all see it because I'm not doing a great job of explaining it. Yeah. Because but- my only like point of reference was in that scene in Pirates of the Caribbean where they like put the rowboat over their head and then they go so their yeah. bodies are in the water but then their heads are in the like, yeah. air pocket right and so i i was wasn't sure sh- and then you said he had the raft so then i'm like mm-hmm. okay so he's all the way in the air pocket yes okay as far as i can tell until like in the rescue video you'll see it's like he obviously gets off his raft so that they find him um but yeah it's very interesting and you can see um in the video when they do end up rescuing him, he's it kind of looks like he's standing in the water. Mm-hmm. So I'm not exactly sure of the orientation of the boat or what exactly is happening. I know it's they said it ended up upside down on the ocean floor. So okay, so he's like standing. Take that on the as ceiling. you will, perhaps. But gotcha. Yeah, that's just so crazy. It's so like miraculous. I do see how maybe yeah. people are like. I wouldn't go as far as saying like black magic because I feel like no one would like purposefully cause right. that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, some divine intervention because that is like yeah to the T. Like the the time and everything was perfect, right? It just doesn't seem like even feasible that you could escape all of those terrible things in one episode you know yeah well maybe there were other survivors in other like air pockets that didn't have that mm. those ideal conditions and like didn't make it you know what i mean because yeah. then then when you go Could to rescue well them be. there's no way to know kind of who i guess probably there is a way to know but kind of sad and it was also kind of sad because I mean, he knew that some of them had died, obviously, because he could hear the fish, but he didn't know, mm-hmm. like, the extent of, like, the death toll until he actually got back to the surface, so. Yeah. Horrible. It's just so sad, too, that he was, he felt guilty, because it's not like he caused anything. He was just going to the bathroom at four in the I morning. <gasps> I know. Also, Ugh. the fact that he was, like, up and not locked in his cabin lucky yeah like insanely yeah. lucky if i woke up at four in the morning and i had to pee and it's like <laughs> i'm on a ship and it's cold i'd be like uh eh, no like i'll just like wait. yeah i'll wait <laughs> oh man that was a good anyway, story i had never heard of that no. bit of a downer though now that i think about it <laughs> no it still is you know like there's a happy ending for one person yes. sort of kind we're of very happy for him yes we are 
<laughs> well, it's funny. Um, we accidentally created a theme this week with oceans. Yay. Because yes. so I picked my story like the other day. And then when I went to put it on our tracker, I saw that you had like shipwreck survival. And I was like, oh my gosh, like we're both doing oceany Yay. things. And usually we like, um, we like do random stories. Then we try to connect them at the end yep. to like make it sound like they were supposed to go together. But this time it actually just worked out. So we're just, just on gonna, the same wavelength. We are wavelength. Oh. <laughs> Sound wave. Okay. Um, so in October, some of my stories I told were kind of dark. We did a, like a lot of murders, um, mm-hmm. some very sad endings, kind of like all around bummer of a month. So yeah. this week, you know, we had a little bit of a break and I kind of wanted to like come back focusing on the whole out of this world aspect, kind of like how you said it. Um, So I'm going to tell you the legendary stories of Atlantis, the lost (sighs) underwater city. Excellent. And really, I swear you guys, we did not plan this. Like we just both. This was totally on accident. (laughs) We just were both like interested in the sea. I don't know. Okay, so you've probably heard of Atlantis in some classic literature, um, such as like the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, the 2001 (laughs) Disney hit Atlantis, The Lost Empire, you know, like many other modern works of art. Oh, yeah. Um, But I don't know if you know this because I didn't. This story actually originates back to 360 B.C., Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yes. And it was actually originally told by ancient Greek philosopher Plato. Hmm. What a guy. So, I mean, did I think that it originated with SpongeBob? Maybe. (laughs) But But I might have been wrong. Phineas and Ferb. I don't know. (laughs) Yes. It's in like every kid's TV show ever. Seriously. Um, but so Plato's original story goes that there was once a civilization of half humans, half gods, much like any other ancient Greek story. And they created a perfect utopia on an island in the Atlantic Ocean. Hmm. He, so he claims that this society actually existed about 9,000 years before his own time, which would be 9,360 B.C., um (laughs) which like just a little side note that's when neolithic times began in the fertile crescent and everywhere else was like paleolithic still so people were mostly like hunter gatherers and big societies like this atlantis that he describes weren't really a thing but we're just gonna like (laughs) ignore that for now (laughs) no need to fact check him okay no no blast (laughs) sorry plato um okay so also another like kind of obscure thing is that the exact location of the society has never been determined and it's been debated for like thousands of years so some claim that it was in the mediterranean some say and a lot of people say actually it was like near spain um and according Hmm. to nat geo people even say that it was under the antarctic so oh there was a quote from someone at national geographic saying like everywhere in the world somebody has claimed that atlantis was there Mm-hmm. which i mean 
I'll get into it, but that doesn't really make sense. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, so the utopia was made up of multiple concentric islands that were separated by moats and water canals. So kind of like the shape of a bullseye. And it sounds really beautiful. I would love to see Dubai or some country like that make an Atlantis hotel island. You know how they make <sighs> islands in the yes. shapes of things? I think it'd be super cool to make like this concentric, concentric circle island. Yeah. They like have to take Why a boat. Why hasn't anybody yet? I don't know. It's a great idea. So I let you Business take my idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so these islands were also said to be lush, beautiful. They had a huge abundance of silvers, gold, and wildlife. So everything you could ever need. Yeah, um, no kidding. Plato described Atlantis as a republic, which was protected by Poseidon, um, the god of the sea. But it was named after Poseidon's son, Atlas, who was the king and ruler of the island. So... Mm. Atlas is the, also the namesake for the Atlantic Ocean. Fun fact. And this is why it doesn't ah. make sense that Atlantis would be like anywhere in the world because it was in yeah. the Atlantic Ocean. So yeah, <laughs> not going to be like in the Pacific. I don't, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So although Atlantis had everything the Atlanteans could need, it had food, water, materials, they actually started to decline as a society. So... As Atlantis gained more power with their very strong navy, they started losing their godlike ethics and they tried conquering parts of Africa and Europe. Um, So eventually the gods saw Atlantis become more and more corrupt and as a punishment, they banished the civilization to the bottom of the sea. Oof. Yeah. So if you hear Atlantis was like the super rich place with lots of gold and silver, it's only fair to assume that this treasure is also lost at sea somewhere, which sparked tons of stories of people like searching for the lost city of Atlantis and like treasure hunters, that kind of thing. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Um. So now, as I'm sure you can tell, Plato's original story is clearly more fiction than fact. Um. Plato used the story as a metaphor to describe the perfect state or society and pointed at Atlantis's power struggle as the utopia's downfall. So mm. th- this was actually a really relevant topic at the time because there was like a lot of wars and struggles going on. Um, it was around the same time of the Trojan War and Athens invasion of Sicily. So like super relevant. So he was teaching a lesson. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what this whole story was. And this silly story actually stayed relevant for like thousands and thousands of years um, and has been told and retold by philosophers such as Aristotle, Cantor, and others. Um, and basically this is because like there's never really been a period of history where there were no conflicts between societies, civilizations, anything like that. So the story's relevance just like never died. It has always been yeah. referenced. But then... I know this is turning to a history. Yours was like a science thing. Mine's like a history thing. Either way, Perfect. people are probably getting bored at this point. Whatever. No. Um. So in 1882, like way later, a U.S. congressman from Minnesota, Ignatius Donnelly, wrote a book called The Ante... Oh, God, I can't pronounce this. The Antediluvian World. And he claims in this book that all advanced societies and technologies can be traced back to Atlantis and that Plato's story was not just a myth. So he believed that it was like this great advanced civilization that sparked the chain of history that leads to the modern world in 1882. So like besides the whole Greek God thing, he claimed that the society was real and it did sink to the bottom of the ocean and that that was like their downfall and everything. 
Um, Donnelly even sent his book to Charles Darwin, who read it skeptically, and he called Donnelly a bag of wind. So Darwin Savage. was like, yeah, he was not impressed. And I think as you can tell, just by hearing this like brief synopsis of Atlantis, that like there's, it's not real and it's not scientifically proven. Um, but okay. never, yeah, but nevertheless, the story of Atlantis was reintroduced to modern history and sparked an entire movement of treasure hunters and historians hoping to find Atlantis. Cause like kind of before this point, it was always this mythical story but now this guy in the u.s is like it's real it's real so yeah everyone's like you know trying to get that coin seriously (laughs) um so this part now so my story is also really brief um but at this point i tried to do some research into like potential evidence that it could exist Um, okay so here's what i found so in 2018 scientists were able to conduct a chemical analysis on this 2700 year old gold treasure called the carambolo treasure and Mm. they found it buried near the south of spain So the treasure was made up of a 21-piece set of gold jewelry that is believed to be buried on purpose by an ancient civilization called Tartessos. And Tartessos was a civilization in southern Spain from like the 9th and 6th century BC that seemed to completely disappear from history, according to National Geographic. I got a lot from Nat Geo and History.com. We love them. (laughs) Um, and so because of all this kind of adding up, it's oftentimes equated to the real city of Atlantis, but also just like fact checking myself really quickly. Atlantis was supposed to be in the ninth millennium BC, not the ninth century. So this is mm. like a couple thousand years too late, but oh, okay. I mean, okay. maybe, maybe Plato like made a mistake. Maybe he meant yeah. 900 instead of 9,000. <laughs> um, Yeah, so even though Atlantis wasn't real, maybe the stories were based on this society that clearly had beautiful riches, they were ruled by a king, they were in the same general area as Atlantis, like that southern Spain Mm. kind of place, and they mysteriously fell out of power. So... I mean, yeah, seems reasonable to me. Yeah, because some say that Plato either wrote the story of Atlantis, others say he heard it from... Um, storytellers in Egypt of this, you know, myth of this society. So maybe if it was based off of, you know, ancient stories, maybe this is what they were referencing. Yeah. And I mean, isn't that that whole thing when stories get passed down verbally, like they change a lot. So yeah, add a a zero to the 900 years and um, make it like an island on accident, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And also add some Greek gods, like, and then it's exactly the same. Just to spice it up. Yes. Uh, so then the next kind of piece of evidence, which isn't really evidence, um, is that there is also a scuba dive and treasure hunting company in Key West, Florida called Mel Fisher's Treasures. And it was started and named after um, a famous treasure hunter named Mel Fisher. And okay. Mel developed like his own strategy and techniques for underwater treasure hunting that he claims are like the best and they can find anything. Um, and this actually breaks like a lot of scuba diving rules. So kind of like Katie mentioned, like scuba diving can be very dangerous, especially Mm -hmm. at like the ground floor of the ocean and all that kind of stuff. Um, so you know, when you're training that you have to do things very by the book, but Mel kind of like reinvented it for himself and his company. I don't really know how that's okay, but he did. Okay. Um, and so 
his grandson, Sean, now works there after Mel's passing because I don't know how old his company is. But it's pretty old. Um, and he says that the Key West in Florida is the bread and butter of shipwreck treasure hunting, possibly oh. because of its proximity to the Bermuda Triangle <gasps> at Katy. Oh, my gosh. This again. <laughs> I know. I, when he said that, he was like, oh, yeah, like all these shipwrecks are in Key West, Florida. I was just like, oh, my gosh. Katie, like suspicious, suspicious. Now, because of your amazing story from like week, whatever. Oh God, that was a long time ago. I think it was like week ten or something. I don't know. Was, oh my gosh! But I was like, yeah, of course there's shipwrecks. That's the Bermuda Triangle, crazy. It makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Well, so this next part doesn't make sense. Um, Sean says that his grandfather's biggest dream was to find the lost city of Atlantis, and that he believes that they are super close to finding oh. it. This article was written in 2009 and there was not a follow-up article. So I'm just going to assume okay. that they did not find it. Yeah. Um, but, but Sean says that he's like dead serious, that he and Mel truly believe that they're, they know exactly where it is, that it exists. Hmm. Um, but they say that the salvage is just too expensive and difficult to do right now, which is like convenient. Uh, yeah. Convenient. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. And- so then honestly, I tried to look up more like Atlantis treasure hunters or like people who believe they found parts of it, all that kind of stuff. But almost all of my search results came back as video games, movies, books, comics, like nothing real. Yes. What if it's all just like a ploy by the government who's trying to hide Atlantis from us by pushing out all this like fake content? I think I think so. I think the government has, you know, some spies <laughs> over in EA Games. Seriously. Seriously. I guess there's like a new FIFA game that also takes place in Atlantis, which I really don't understand because FIFA How does that is make soccer. Sense? I don't know. There's so many Atlantis games out there. Interesting. But, you know, the fantasy of Atlantis has been shared for thousands of years and discovering like conspiracy and like finding this, you know, hidden place has turned into one of the world's most favorite stories. Thanks to like mm-hmm. Plato, Aristotle, even Donnelly and everyone who has dreamed of utopia, treasure and the promise of another world. So that's kind of it. Okay. Of the story. I know this was like super short as well, but I mean, I was just, I didn't want to do like a murder or like a ghosty yeah. thing. I just want to do something i had never heard a podcast on yet and i really didn't know anything about atlantis before i looked this up and it was fascinating to do this research so seriously no i loved it i'm kind of glad we both didn't do like anything too yeah treacherous well the sea is pretty treacherous but it's treacherous (laughs) yeah i think we should do a deep dive (gasps) and we should explore like the kraken and um the megalodon like i think we can do a whole a whole sea themed thing yeah i'm super down actually because i've always it's just it always is intriguing you can't go wrong no and it's so undiscovered and unknown and right it's just yeah it's crazy yeah when i was looking at my story i think i typed in like weird unknown ocean things and then i came upon this weird article and that's that's how i found it so Hmm. there's a lot going on out there you guys there is i i was talking to our friends and they were talking about this discovery that they found an ocean under our ocean (gasps) stop it right now 
Yeah. So not only have we only explored like 5% of our current ocean, there's another ocean. Oh, good. Under the ocean. Good. Good, good. So, yeah. We don't Are there know things that live there? Yeah. Like, <gasps> I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. And I think The things that live down there must be hideous. <laughs> so, so hideous. I like, that's why they can't show their face up in truth, the surface. Truth. They know we'll make fun of them. Got them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I also love stories of ancient Greece. Like Greek mythology is super fascinating to me. And I did yeah. not know that Atlantis was Greek mythology. Like, Nor did I, actually. I guess so it's very... kind of it's kind of Greek mythology. I guess it is. Yeah, it's just it, been... It makes sense. It's just it, I wouldn't have thought of it. No. And it's just been retold so many times. And it t- kind of turned into this his old, its own other thing that you don't think of it necessarily as like those typical right. stories but yeah Plato very interesting Plato knew what he was talking about Plato knew what was up is all we can say yeah <laughs> we stan a legend <laughs> god thank uh, you that was very interesting I know all yeah. I think about is like the movies and the I don't know probably mermaids like who knows yeah I know oh my gosh we should do a story about mermaids okay sorry i'm getting way too ahead of myself this is like a whole new segment seriously Um, yeah november we're done with halloween no spookies Mm -hmm. well maybe a little (laughs) bit of spookies it's all about the ocean now (laughs) i also i was thinking about doing like um when people disappear from cruise ships but i know that's something you wanted to do so badly okay so i wasn't gonna take it it's it's not that i necessarily want to do it it's that it but it annoys me so much right like, it's crazy how often it happens and you don't mm-hmm. know about it because yeah. I'm, I'm not going to get into it but basically no one is responsible because you're in open waters and like the companies right. aren't responsible like the cruise ships it's horrifying there's no police like it's just people disappear and then that's the end of it what it's terrible it's my nightmare again yeah. oh my god <laughs> What Jeez. if that what if that second ocean under the ocean is just like <gasps> where they find Atlantis and that's where all the people who disappear from cruise ships live? <gasps> oh my gosh. Hey. Cuz they could all write have a book about this. They all have like air pockets above their head that's like the perfect amount of oxygen <gasps> oh that god, they need. 4 feet of air pocket. Yeah. Yes. Oh yep. my gosh. <laughs> Interesting. We're writing a book. Like look out guys. We got yes. it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, oh, thanks so much for listening. Hopefully you guys weren't too heartbroken that we didn't have an episode last week. Hopefully this made up for it because I think it was pretty cool. Me too. Um, if you want to see the videos and pictures that Katie was talking about in her story of the guy's air pocket and like how that all worked out, because I'm definitely going to need to see that, <laughs> you can check us out on Instagram. Our handle is at DeviantLittleDarlings. Um, you can also uh, email us at deviantlittledarlings at gmail.com if you have any like super cool stories or articles that you come across. It can literally be about anything. If In case you haven't noticed, we don't necessarily have like a theme no. to our podcast. <laughs> it's just whatever interests us. So yeah, hopefully, exactly. hopefully it interests you as well if you're actually listening. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know there's a few of you that are still listening. <laughs> and if you want to listen to us on a different uh streaming or downloadable platform you can find us on apple podcasts breaker google podcasts overcasts pocket casts radio public spotify and anchor.fm slash deviant little darlings uh all right well we'll catch you guys next week because yeah 
in case you forgot this is supposed to be weekly <laughs> it's <Yeah>. supposed to be <laughs> <laughs> all right well have a great weekend talk to you guys next week bye